0: this is the sandy boy productions podcast hey everybody welcome to all have another podcast with lindsay hein i am your host lindsay thanks so much for joining us today This is a fun episode. I'm having fun with these episodes where I have two people on at once. And today my guests are Rose Harvey and Ben Bruce. Okay. So Rose Harvey burst onto the scene and the professional running scene. Very, very recently, she actually took up running during the pandemic and discovered a hidden talent, like for real discovered this talent, um, did not grow up a runner or run in high school or college or anything like that. So. This story is actually pretty wild because she just ran a 2.23, 21 in Chicago, placing ninth at the Chicago Marathon. She was working full-time as a finance lawyer and is now running professionally supported by Puma. Rose is from the UK and um, she also hosts half of the podcast, Five Miles Easy, so go check that out. Uh, I do wanna mention that Rose was on the Relay podcast, so when I was preparing for this interview, it was really fun to listen to her episode on Relay, where she talked to a few of my co-hosts over there. Um, Marcus Brown, Kara Goucher, Laura Thweet, and Peter Bromka were on that episode with Rose. So if you want to get her back, backstory, listen to that, and then listen to this episode or whatever order you want to do it in. Um, ben Bruce is also on the podcast. Uh, he's been on the show before, and... I love the Bruces so much. He was a phenomenal pacer once again at the Chicago Marathon and paced a large group of women and men. Uh, and Rose was one of those in the group who he he stayed with the longest. She stayed with him the longest. Uh, and then he'll explain it in the episode, but he let her race it out with Sarah Vaughn at the end there. He is a metronome, they all say. Uh, Ben is also the dad of three. His wife, Stephanie, just had their sweet baby girl, Sophia. And so he wasn't quite sure he'd be able to pace uh, Chicago this year, but it worked out. And anytime you have Ben Bruce pacing you in a marathon, it's sure to be a steady day out there. Ben is with Hoka and AZ Elite. He's been with that group for a long time, supporting the team, pacing a lot of their athletes over there in workouts and Uh, All right, friends, if you enjoy the episode, please share it with your friends. Leave us a quick rating interview. All that good stuff is super helpful in new listeners finding us. And I want to say a big thank you to Lagoon Sleep for supporting this episode of the podcast. The best pillows on the market you can get through Lagoon. You fill out a two-minute survey, get paired up with the best pillow ever. Mine is like a cooling pillow and it is super, super comfortable. Not too stiff, not too soft my favorite pillow I've ever owned. Go to lagoonsleep.com slash Lindsay and get 15% off your order when you use the code Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Rose and Ben. All right, well, today on i Have Another, we have Rose Harvey and Ben Bruce on the show. Welcome to the show, Rose and Ben. Thanks for having us.
1: Yeah, excited to be here.
0: All right. So Ben, you're a returning guest. Rose, you're a brand new guest. So this is fun. And you're my second post-Chicago interview where I've done two people on the show. So I feel like this is a new thing for me, but I kind of, I'm enjoying the process. Awesome. Ben's video, his reel, and of you guys running the race together and finishing and relating it back to having his new baby girl, of course, had me like tearing up, like I'm sure so many other moms might have felt. Um, Let's just start there, Ben. Like now that you have a daughter and you've been in this game, like supporting women for a really long time with your pacing efforts and helping the the NAZ team. But what does it mean to you now?
1: Yeah, I mean, it just means a little extra. Um, I think like when you have a kid, I know the mom gets a lot of the hormones and stuff, but like the dads get emotional too. So, yeah, it means a lot.
0: Yeah, and what was that like? Because how old is Sophia now?
1: She'll be a month tomorrow.
0: Okay, so that's the other thing. Leaving when she's that young, like, was that hard to do? And how was that with the family dynamic?
1: Yeah, it was tough because I I would say in, like, July or so, I would be like, there's no way I'm going to be pacing Chicago because Steph's due date was uh, September 28th, and it was, um, I remember doing a workout uh, with Kellen, probably about five weeks before Chicago. And I got back in my car and I had a message from my agent, Josh, who was saying like, could you pay Chicago this year? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been doing workouts. Like I'm always doing workouts with the women of Fantasy Elite. So um, the fitness wise, I was like, yeah, I haven't been doing as much running as I would like just because Steph was still very pregnant. So you're kind of taking care of the boys but also trying to take care of stuff and um but i was like yeah i mean it's definitely something i could do i've done it twice i enjoy it um chicago does a great job setting up pace groups and um there it's just like knowing what you're getting into is also something that was like i think we can make this work um and then baby Sophia came a couple, uh, almost two weeks early, um, which actually might have been a good thing because we, we had like a little bit of a time to adjust, but it was an interesting dynamic of like figuring out how to do enough workouts um, because it is a marathon. You can't just be like running 25 miles a week. Um, yeah, so it, I definitely went into the race with a little hesitancy because I was like, we'll see how this goes. So I was pleasantly pleasantly surprised.
0: Yeah. And Rose, you ran 223.21, which was a four minute personal best. That is so fast. Like that is such a big personal best when you're running the speeds that you're running. So when you went into this race, did you anticipate running with Ben's pace group? Give us the, like what that looked like for you.
2: Yeah, I was definitely, um, I was aiming for like 224, 225. Um, so I kind of knew I was in like a really good PB shape. Um, to be honest, I just had like the best training block that I'd ever had. Um, and the most consistency I've had, I haven't done like that many marathons as a pro and all the ones I've done previously have kind of been, um, I don't wanna say like bad build-ups, but just the way that they've been scheduled, it's either been like a really short build-up, or I've kind of had to like cram them in. And so going into Chicago, the whole goal of it was like, okay, let's do this properly. Let's do like a proper training block that is like a full 12, 13 weeks. It actually ended up being a little bit longer because I was originally planning to do Berlin and then it reshifted to Chicago. Um, So I had like a really good stint of training. It went really smoothly and so I knew I was in like good form. But of course, you know, marathons, you never know what's going to happen on the day. Um, But... Then when the pace groups kind of worked out like that, I thought, you know, perfect. Um, and yeah, I mean, Ben was an absolute hero with the pacing. Um, like I have never... <laughs> I don't know how you are such a metronome. It's incredible.
1: Nice. Um,
2: but yeah, it all worked out kind of really well. And it was... I ran a little bit quicker than I thought it was. I just managed to pick it up a bit in the last like 10K or so. Um, but yeah, that was definitely... I managed to do that because the first half oh, fast 20 miles actually was so consistent, uh, which kind of gave me that extra bit in the tank to pick it up at the end.
0: Okay. So you mentioned like you haven't been running that long as a pro and we actually, for those listening, if you want to hear a little more of Rose's story, definitely go listen to the relay podcast. Cause Rose was on the relay podcast recently. Um, and I am just like, Whoa. You have literally only been running pro for what? Since the pandemic, right? Three years.
2: Yeah. I mean, not even that long, to be honest. I, I, well, I signed with Puma last year. Um, about, I signed with them in May, I think, or April last year. So yeah, I've been pro for kind of a year, year and a bit. Um, and before that, yeah, I started, I started taking training more seriously in the pandemic. Got made redundant from my job as a corporate lawyer, and so basically it started with having three months garden leave, um, off work and nothing to do. So I needed a really good lockdown project, and roundabout way ended up running a lot and kind of found a bit of a I don't know a bit of a hidden talent for it. I guess that been lurking in there somewhere. So, did you say
0: hidden talent? Like, did you did you not like race in high school and
2: whatnot? No. No, I didn't. I started running, actually, when I moved to London for law school, which was like 2015. But when I say started, I mean, I joined like a running club, more for social, and I just used to go to the social runs. I think it took me, it genuinely took me About a year and a half to go to a track session because I was so intimidated by it.
0: (laughs) This is wild to me, Ben. I want to hear what your thoughts are on this, coming from like the professional setting that you're you've been a part of for so many years.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm the complete opposite. Um, Although I did play a lot of other sports as a kid. Like even in high school, I would run cross country in the fall. I'd play soccer in the winter because I grew up in San Diego, so you could play soccer um, as a winter sport, and then. I didn't actually run track in high school. I played golf in the spring. Um, So I understand where like there's these people out there that have like a talent, but they're doing other things. Mm. And sometimes that can be like a blessing because you're not like getting focused on it at a younger age. Um, So even myself, like through high school, I just loved playing sports. I grew up playing everything I could possibly do, baseball, soccer, um, running and all that stuff. And I kind of knew running was something that was probably my better talent um as much as I would have loved to have golf be my profession um but it just it, these stories are are great because it kind of shows like if you have the ability to run and like the sometimes it's not the worst thing to come to it uh later um and so yeah it's it's interesting to hear the dates of that because I think about myself and I was running at like a US championships in 2003 <laughs> and so I'm like you know, enjoying like a total different part of my career. That's not as competitive, but it's it's still it still has to be competitive enough because I'm training with some of the top uh, marathoners in the country and the world. And they're always going to keep me very fit. And so I'm like afraid to not to stop running because if I do that, then I'll probably start to get out of shape. Um, So I I like hearing these stories because it can show people out there that there is like traditional paths um, of like running in high school, running in college, but it doesn't always have to be that way.
0: Yeah. And I mean, cause when I first heard Rose's story, I was thinking, oh, maybe this is like another like Kira D'Amato type story where like she did run a lot when she was younger and then walked away, became a corporate lawyer. And now she's like, okay, I, maybe I want to get after this again, but this is like really unlike any story I think I've ever heard. Cause we, we also have heard the story of like, the people who played um, soccer in college, right? And then like right out of college, like a Grayson Murphy played soccer in college and then, you know, starts running more like at that younger age. But are you 30?
2: 31. 31? Yeah, sadly.
0: <laughs> so Ben, did you have Rose on your radar as a um, group of women who you'd be pacing in Chicago?
1: Yeah, generally, you know, like I said, I've done this is my third year pacing Chicago. And usually the day before um well in weeks prior they they try to set up pace groups that they think are going to be times that people want to go with and there's always a little bit of switch around and back and forth and um last year i ended up only you know i had a much smaller group um but this year it was kind of nice because the day before there was there was a little bit of like chatter of like do we want to be like 112 at halfway or do you want to be 11230, and knowing the race knowing just the marathon in general like my take is always like keep the group together as like longer it's better to have a bigger group together longer and so one twelve thirty was kind of the idea for halfway but there was also a sense that most of the women that were going to go with that were also kind of targeting more of like a 224 mm. or 225 and so i was kind of a little bit of a there was a little leeway to go like just a touch faster um, and so uh, you kind of know who you think is going to go with the group, but you don't know for sure. Um, and that's what's great about like this sport and something like this race is, you you talk to like coaches, like I talked to Alistair and the day before, and he was his preferred was like one twelve fifteen, and I'm like, okay, well it's hard because some you have other coaches like we want one twelve thirty, and you have other coaches like we want one twelve, <laughs> and it's like, well we can't please everyone. So like the idea is just like the biggest thing is to keep the miles smooth. Um, and so yeah, you kind of know who's going to be in there, but it was like right on the start line is when Rose. She's like, "Are you pacing the two twenty five group?" And I said, "Yeah, that's me." And so it's amazing that you can meet someone five minutes before the race and then spend the next two and a half hours, or not even two and a half hours this time, much less than two and a half hours with them. Um, and so I, having done Chicago a lot, I know that there's like it's it's super exciting and it's like chaotic in the first couple of miles. They're just you have like the elite men going off like crazy and then you have so many sub elite men that are probably also getting out too hard. And so as a pacer, like those first two miles are super important. Um, And we were actually still probably about seven seconds fast at two miles um, because you just don't get a lot of data. Your watch doesn't work. You're going under bridges, you're in the city. And so you kind of have to like keep everyone calm. And then yeah, after that, uh, I would say around mile three, we started just like, lo- I locked it in and we were it was like comical. I was like 531, 531, 531, 531, 531. So we oh my were just gosh. knocking them off. And it was it was really great to have a big group of women. Um, And every time I look back, they were all just right there. So I'm like, they must be okay with this. So we just kind of rolled with it.
0: Wow. Yeah. So tell me and Rose and Ben, I'd love to hear both of your opinions on this. I talked to Sarah Vaughn and Dakota Lindworm on Friday and we had kind of just like bounced around like, do we do everybody together? Do we break this up? And I actually really like this like two on one format. But um, I think Sarah kind of seemed like she was a little frustrated with all the men crowding around and like she was worried about getting tripped up. And I, I think she said she got clipped up like Twenty times in the first couple miles of the race, and then finally, as the race went on, and y'all listen to the podcast. If I'm spitting this out, not exactly how Sarah said it, she ended up just needing to get away. But did you feel like kind of you were getting kind of bombarded by all those men in your group?
2: Um, there was to be honest, there was only one guy who was really. He just kept running like so close to me. And he was clipping me and elbowing me the whole time. But the rest of them, I was kind of at the front of the group. And I actually, apart from that one guy, every, everyone else was fine. I didn't really notice like how many, I was aware we had a good group, but I wasn't really aware of like how many we had behind us. Um, and I was just like sticking behind Ben, <laughs> had my line. And yeah, I I don't I actually quite like being in a big group. Um, I just feel like it's, a nice distraction, and it's just nice to feel like you're not kind of out there alone. Mm. Um, so I, yeah, I actually quite enjoyed it, apart from the one guy who was really getting up in my grill. <laughs> um, but yeah, he seemed to, I don't, I can't remember what mile he dropped off eventually, but that was a bit of a relief. Um, but apart from that, yeah. And it was so nice to have like the other women around as well. That's been a big difference. And the, I've only ever done London Marathon is my other major and in that it's a it's a very different race and it gets very strung out and I've never actually really you know I've only ever really run with like one other woman and then the last 10k is just a solo grind so it's a very different race and that was a really great change in Chicago that just had that extra kind of atmosphere and everyone just really worked together it was awesome.
0: I love that description. That's It makes it just feel like su- such a group effort and so powerful together. And I will say, too, not to discredit, these men are working really, really hard, too. You guys are r- running so fast. Um, but, Ben, your job is, like, to pace these women who are, like, trying to podium at this race. So what is that like as the pacer?
1: Yeah, I mean, generally, like there is definitely benefits of having some of those other men in the group. Um, it is unfortunate sometimes when they are, I guess it's like some guys are in there and they, their idea is like, Hey, this is my race too. And I have every right to run here, which is fine. But, uh, I would say the majority of the men that are in there have a good sense of like, yeah, I'm a good runner, but I'm also part of these women that are like Mm -hmm. going after something that like on paper is a lot bigger. Like it's, It could be bonuses in their contract, like part of their livelihood. And so it's usually really nice. I mean, when I paced in 2019, when Steph was in the group, like every guy in the group was like awesome. Like if we hit like a headwind, they would like push up towards the front. Mm -hmm. And then I'm always, but I'm always like telling the women, like, okay, we got an eight station coming up, like 10K station coming up. And I'll tell the guys, I'm like, it's on the right. So can we get to the left? And I'm trying to like do that. But it also doesn't eliminate, like Rose said, that there can be one or two guys that are kind of causing a little bit more havoc versus calmingness. And yeah, the one guy was it was tough because you want to respect their race, but um, I think it was around halfway that, like, I think he clipped Rose, and then something happened. I could see it out of the corner of my eye, and then he started getting mad, and he was like, "Well, she touched me," and I'm like, "And I, I honestly was just like, dude, look." this is like, I, like I'm pacing this professional women's group. Like this is like, we're here to do this. Like you are welcome to run off our group, but you need to give us space. And then he kind of like surged up ahead cause he was mad. And then like, he came back and I like, then try to like calm, calm it down. And I said, look, but like, everything's good, you know, like and fist bumped him. And I'm, but I just like, to what Rose was saying. it was kind of a relief when he fell off because You kind of know, too, sometimes guys like that, or you can tell their effort is just, like, not going to get there. Um, But on the opposite end of that, like, for every guy like that, you have four or five guys that are, like, like, one guy was up right next to me. um, And he kind of just was, like, helping pull it. And, like, even when we got our bottles, because I wasn't taking as much on, like, I would drink mine and be, like, do you want the rest of it? And so um and his dad was like out on the course trying to hand him like gels and different things and so you kind of see it's like a different side of it um but for the most part they are help but just sometimes I have to kind of be the regulator to be like like one guy was I think that's what set Sarah off was like this one guy was kind of sitting right in the middle of the group and I kind of just said I'm like look like let these women have their own group and you can do it you know you can run with us um but a lot of times it I, also knowing the course, like I know after about 25K, it, the group generally just breaks up and um, then it's not an issue. So,
0: All right, friends. I want to thank 2B4 for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. This is a unique pre-workout that is made up of blackcurrant berries grown in New Zealand that contain high levels of antioxidants called anthocyanins. Blackcurrant anthocyanins are science-backed and benefit-packed. Black currant berries improve your endurance, they kickstart your recovery, and they strengthen your immunity. You can drink it daily 30 to 45 minutes before you work out. I just mix it up with water and take it before a workout. I am loving it. 2B4 is offering an exclusive limited time offer to our listeners. Big discount here, 30%. Nobody does 30%. 30% off. 20 packs plus free shipping when you use the code Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y at checkout. Just go to 2before.com. That's the number 2before.com and use the code Lindsay. Which brings me to the question to you, Ben, like, you know, coming off new baby coming into your home and like, knowing that this women's field is so, so freaking deep this year. Like, did you feel any extra pressure? Like, I got to, like, nail this, and I might be a little bit tired.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's – I don't think, like – I always put some pressure on myself when I pace because um having done it a lot, like, I, I sometimes, like, see – other Pacers go into a pace job and they they kind of take it like nonchalantly. They're like, "Oh, it's just pacing, and I'll be fine." But I always approach it as if I'm running my own race, mm-hmm. and because that's the only way to get in the right headspace to go through everything is if like I'm running a marathon today and I need to be on my game. And I was very confident that I could run the right pace, but I was wor- I was worried because having the baby and just like going into the race like. I just from doing workouts with the NAZ elite women, like my left hip was just not in a good spot. So there was, that was more of the nerves of like, will my body hold up? Um, so as the race progressed, like that confidence grew of like, okay, like we're this far in and I'm still doing okay. We're farther in. So like, as we got to more checkpoints, then I was like, all right, like we're, I'm holding up, which was like a relief for me. Um, so I definitely have, I put that pressure on myself mostly because like, if I'm going to, take the job with Chicago who's paying me to be there um I'm gonna take it seriously and I'm gonna do like my best to just be the best pacer out there no matter what group I'm doing and um the last two two or three years like I look back on my 5k splits and I'm like kind of have a little grin on my face because I'm like they're just money because like I think the first 5k the first five 5K splits this year were had, like, a four-second range. I think they were between <laughs> 17.04 and 17.08. So I was like, well, there you go.
0: Uh, I have to ask, too, what is your, like, effort level when you finish these races?
1: Um, I mean, I'm definitely getting, like, I mean, a good example is uh, the last two times I've paced, we've gotten to about 30K, and the women that were left in my group were, I would say, definitely, like, they were at their red line. So we were actually slowing down just a touch where this time, like at that point I'm getting tired. And then Rose is like, do you think we can pick it up a little bit? Um, Cause at that point, uh, Sarah was a little bit ahead of us and, um, the other women had kind of fallen off, but we're still running strong races. Cause I think five of the six women that were in our group ran PRS, which was cool. And the other one missed it by like 20 seconds. So like they all had, I would say successful days. So when she says, can you pick it up a little bit? I'm like, I mean, we could try. And then it's hard because then when you're tired, I've paced enough workouts to know like when you're tired, it can be easy to like over overcompensate and then like totally hit the gas pedal. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but yeah, then we start picking it up. But that also was kind of a nice thing because then it shifted the mindset into like trying to be like controlled to like, all right, we're just right, we're just going now. And if we're this late, like I felt that Rose was like, it's game on. And so it's like, yeah, so you kind of get into that race mode. Um, so the effort level is definitely there. Um, I would say if I went out and ran a marathon all out, but for myself, I actually probably wouldn't run that much faster, okay. to be honest. Um, so I tend to like almost run worse when I run my own marathons because you uh-huh. kind of race from the beginning. Um, and so it was, it was a nice thing because like right around 40k... Rose was getting close to catching back up to Sarah and my plan was like well 40k I'll just like jog it in but then as they as Rose caught Sarah like there definitely was like back and forth and they were battling so then I'm like oh I kind of want to see this so I just kept the pace and I figured if I jogged it in it would feel like almost harder effort when you've been running that pace for so long um, so it was actually really cool to just sit there and watch them just like help each other. They actually both, I think ran probably a few seconds faster because they had each other just racing. And that's part of me of like, okay, I'm a pacer, but now when it's like the last mile, it needs to be a race. And so that's why you kind of, you kind of step out of that and let them, let them race each other and not be part of that equation.
0: Yeah. I saw in your post, you said, I let them like battle it out for the sake of racing. Um, and Sarah, Sarah did give a nod to that. When I talked to her Rose that like, she probably like, you coming up on her, like gave her like a push to like, no way, I'm still, I'm still in this. I'm still racing. Can you talk a little bit about that Rose? Like what your mindset was when you were, you told Ben to pick it up and then you see Sarah and you start, you know, going back and forth with her.
2: Yeah. That last mile was so fun actually. And again, it's just something I've never had in a major marathon because I've always been by myself at the end of London and it was just it's like the real pure racing makes it so good. And obviously, Sarah and I are both sponsored by Puma. Alice did both coached us. And so it was a really nice, like, friendly work together. But let's start, just have fun with this. And we did, there was a real kind of back and forth. I caught her off and then she kind of powered on. And then we hit that horrible hill. I mean, who the hell puts a hill at 400 metres to go? And I'm sure when you go and look back at it, it's probably like this tiny little ramp, but it felt like Everest at the time. And she kind of went on. And at that point, I nearly, I was nearly like, you know what, just let her have it. She's like a teammate. She can have this. She's got more experience than me and she's had a good race. And then I just had this little voice from... Um, I'm coached by Amy and Alistair. So Amy said about this hill... And she was like, you need to be prepared for it and you will feel like giving up, but just like, don't, just fight for every second. And that just came into my head at the right minute and I was like, fight for it, fight for it. So I kind of went ahead of her and then I actually, my fiance was on the course. I heard him shouting and I was just like sprint and I literally felt like I was running I don't know, like a 70-second 400-meter or
1: something. It was that kind of effort level. I, would, but... <laughs> I would wouldn't think it was that far off. Like, you you both closed pretty fast. Because I remember, like, I'm always doing the math. And at 800 to go, I was thinking, like, oh, I think they're both going to run around 223.30. And then they ran 223.21 and 26. So it's wow. like they definitely, uh, they definitely picked it up, like... Yeah, so I, I wouldn't put it past that the last 400 could have been close to 70 seconds. I have, yeah, because I was, yeah, definitely saw the move. And I know that hill is, um, it's not really a hill, but it's Chicago and you've had such smooth stuff. And Chicago has a few small things along the way. It's just when you're totally gassed and then you get to that and you've been in such a rhythm, your, your legs and everything are kind of like, wait, what is this? Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was cool to see him race it in.
0: Oh, yeah, everybody knows that hill. I know, and it's, it's like, comical when you really think about it, but, no, it hurts. Um, yeah, I mean, fi- you said the time you thought they were going to run, I mean, six seconds when you're just talking about 400 meters, that's a lot of seconds. Yeah. Um, and how, like, aware of Sarah's background were you, Rose? Like, she's, you know, 1,500-meter background, so that closing speed for her is going to be – a strong suit for her did you were you thinking about that at all
2: I, do, I honestly don't think I was at that time all <laughs> I could think about was like run as hard as you can like think of all the track sessions you've done I mean speed is definitely not my forte but in my head I was just like just sprint <laughs>
0: so funny speed is not my forte
2: says the 223 marathoner (laughs) (laughs) i hear what you're saying i
0: know what you mean Um, honestly my 5k
2: time is about the same as my marathon pace okay
0: (laughs) you'll have to rip out some 5ks and and pr those here in the next few years maybe after, maybe (laughs) after the olympics just to get it down then um tell me about working with amy and alistair
2: yeah, they are. I mean, they're brilliant coaches. I've, I've only been with them for the last, uh, well, year and a bit. But I love their training. I love their approach. Um, they're, they're based out in North Carolina with the Puma Pro Team. And I'm obviously based in London, so they coach me mostly remotely, apart from kind of when I go over there for training camps. But they're just so knowledgeable. And it's, I guess, having... Both of their experience um, and amy having you know been an incredible marathoner herself and as a woman kind of competed at, at the level and you know a lot more than i have done is is so valuable and it just allows me to kind of really trust their training and their process and everything they say and that helped me so much going into chicago um you know there are times when like I, when you think about running that pace of 26.2, it's like sounds so scary. But the kind of overwhelming thought I had going in was like, if they believe I can do it, then I've got to believe I can do it because they know what they're talking about way more than I do. And yeah, I've just got to trust the process. So that gave me a huge, a huge amount of confidence going in, just being just being able to really trust in the training that I've done with them they really prepared me for that last 10 K and so much of my training is, is focused towards the back end of the race and just being able to hold it together and hopefully pick it up at the end. And you know, that has really been the focus for this block. So again, that just, yeah, that really helped me going into it, having the confidence that I should be able to pick it up at the end. Um, and I think that, yeah, that definitely, I got to mile 20 and I was like, right, this is what I've trained for this last 10 K So that was really good to actually be able to put that into practice and kind of show what I've been doing in training.
0: Um, I was thinking about, you know, on Relay Podcast, you had mentioned talking to your sports psych about thinking about how you feel when it hurts really bad. And then that you said, like, it doesn't really matter how I feel. I'm going to, like, not think about that. Did you practice that in Chicago?
2: Definitely. Yeah, I did. And actually, funnily enough, it was mostly at the start. Weirdly... The only, I felt great for most of the race, but the first couple of miles, I think it was because we didn't actually have that much time before the race to warm up. And I wasn't really anticipating that. So I only did like a 12 minute jog at the start and it was cold on the start line. Um, I've trained through summer, so I've been so used to kind of the warm temperatures. And obviously I knew it was going to be cold, but it kind of took my body by surprise a bit. And then those first couple of miles in Chicago, there's so much going on. You know, you've got the crowds, you've got the mass behind you, you kind of go under a bridge and it's all quite like a bit of sensory overload. And those first couple of miles felt hard. And I was like, oh, this shouldn't, you know, you expect to feel like so great at the start. Mm-hmm. And so that was a really early test of my, of my sports site sessions of like, don't think about it you know, you've committed to this pace and you're going with it. Just, you could feel completely different in like two, three miles time. So just stop thinking about how you're feeling. And I actually just really focused on the crowds and the atmosphere. And I was like, this is awesome. You know, the crowd, everyone's out, all the cheering. Made sure I looked at all the signs that were being held up. And that really distracted me from it. And then I kind of forgot, forgot about it completely. So that was a that was a great tactic. That um, it definitely was employed at the start, but and then to be honest, from there I felt pretty good throughout.
0: I'm curious, Ben, as a pacer in these situations, like you know, the pacers that are pacing, even as fast as like the three-hour group, I think that a lot of their mission is like lighten this crowd up a little bit, like r- help everybody get relaxed and calm in the moment. They're talking a lot more than, than you would talk in a race and probably the three hour guys not talking as much, but like as the times get slower, those pacers are just chatting it up, trying to keep everybody calm. What do you do to keep this front pack group calm?
1: Yeah. I just try to bring, I guess, a calming energy myself, uh, which I think can be done without talking. Um, I could definitely talk more throughout, but I am also like, I know that some people love that and some people don't and so I err on the side of less um like if I'm pacing Kellen on a workout I know you can do a, you could be out there with an hour for and say not a word and she's totally fine with it (laughs) I can Um, see that but there are some of the younger women on our team that they love to have like someone on a bike next to them just like Uh saying positive things throughout the workout um so knowing how Chicago is and what Rose is saying that uh those first few miles just are like Yeah, it's like for how great the course is, the first few miles. I mean, it's cool. You're through the city. You're going through a lot of cool places, but it's the crowd is loud and they're overly loud because they're excited to see people. And in a marathon, like you have to like be dead to that. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I try to do is just be like so dead to everything that's going on around me and just really try to run the first few miles and set the rhythm that you're going to run for a lot longer because it's 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 totally easy to go out and run too quick the first few miles, but that can really set you up for failure, even though it's early on. So I try to like reserve what I'm going to say for when it's going to say it, but it's also sometimes loud and they, I don't know if they can hear me. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really like trying to set up those first few miles because then after about 5k, then everything calms down in Chicago. There's still crowds out there, but it's just, it's more of like, a single line of people or like groups of people mm-hmm. so it's a lot less chaotic um, and so I just know that those first 5k are super important to just set up like the group set up the rhythm tell everyone like we're okay or like try to say hey we're, we're a couple seconds fast let's just what's okay to settle down and so yeah I've, I've done it a lot um, and so that that helps but yeah I just have to bring the the calmness to them, I think physically, even without saying stuff um, to just like they're seeing people like come past us or, you know, people that started 10 rows back, they think they're going to run 218. So they're, they're sprinting past us. And it's like all that stuff that they're doing is wasted energy. And so it's finding the group as quick as we can getting it together, and then just settling in. And the quicker that can happen, the more the less energy people are going to use.
0: Do you notice the energy of the different people running with you? Like, I'll give an example. You've got Dakota who's, like, smiling and even waving at people sometimes. Then you've got Sarah who's a little more, like, laser-focused. And, like, is there anything you notice about the different styles of racing that the women you're pacing have?
1: Totally. And you kind of see – I mean, everyone has what works for them. Dakota really has run successfully in a lot of marathons, like at Grandma's where she's been alone – And so sometimes maybe she doesn't enjoy running in a group as much as someone like Rose says she loves having a group. And so those are definitely things that you notice because Dakota was kind of off our group and then we caught her for a few miles and then she she almost seemed to get antsy and then left our group again. And so you kind of have to like, as much as I would want to be like, Hey, just stick with us. Like that, if that's going to be like her, where she's going to feel the most comfortable, then you have to like let them do that. Um, and so, yeah, you kind of get a sense and that that's what I like, even though we were a little bit quicker than we had planned the first half, I just got the sense that everyone behind me was like, we're good, we're relaxed, mm-hmm. we're trying to stay in the same positions minus the bottle stations. Um, but then on the contrast, you kind of almost see some of the men in the group and you can tell like some of these guys are going to make it with us a long ways and some of these guys are not going to make it with us <laughs> very long um, just because you can see their, their motions and they look at their watch and then they like if it was like a couple of seconds fast or slow, they pick it up they, like aggressively where the whole idea is like, even if we ran a terribly paced mile and we're like 540, I wouldn't be like, let's run a 525 now to make it up. No. Be like, no, we just, it's okay. We'll just like s- gradually pick it up. Um, and so, yeah, you, you have to like feed off that energy. But I, like I said before, I just, my goal is to try to stay as calm as I can. Cause if I'm here as the pacer being, too chatty, too crazy. Like we got bottles coming up. We're doing, you know, like it. It creates like anxiety through the group. So it's just like about trying to be like, look, we got to do our best to try to make these first however many miles that we can possibly get through, with it being boring, if, if that's possible.
0: Hey friends, did you know I have training plans for sale on my website: 5K, half marathon, and marathon, and. They are detailed with a pace chart, pre and post run stretching and strength. And okay, I was just listening to my friend Bridget on the Rambling Runner podcast. And unbeknownst to me, she gives a very solid plug for these training plans. Bridget just ran a 3.25 in Chicago, which I believe it was a 16 minute PR, a big, big PR for her. And she's been using my training plans over the past couple years for the half marathon and the marathon. She first ran her first marathon years, years ago, uh, and she ran a 6.45, very unprepared. And uh, slowly over these past couple years between having babies and training for races, she has chipped down her time, down to a 3.25. and. I'm so happy and grateful, and it makes me so excited that she was able to find such success using these training plans. Of course, it's not just the training plan. It's her dedication, consistency, listening to her body, all of those other things, her, her group that she runs with. So it's, The training plan is just one piece of it, but um, what a testimony to these plans, and thank you, Bridget, for sharing your story on the Rambling Runner podcast. Um, I highly recommend you guys going over there and listening to that show, actually, because it's a really good one. Um, she's an everyday runner who is getting after it and has big goals and has a pretty inspiring story of how she's chipped away at her time. Um, that's episode 573 of the rambling runner podcast, um, to grab a training plan, the half marathon plans are $35. The marathon plans are 45. They are super, super duper detailed, and this is way less expensive than hiring a coach. I will say the one thing when you follow a training plan. Uh, Consistency is key, but also listening to your body is key. So if you need an unplanned rest day, go ahead and give yourself an unplanned rest day. You know, all that good stuff. Um, So just go to lindseyhine.com and click on the training plans tab to learn more. We have beginner all the way to advanced. And uh, I hope you can utilize those and have a great training cycle. All right, friends, back to my conversation with Rose and Ben. Rose, at what point in the race were you like, I mean, you obviously knew you were in PR shape. You said that, like you were ready to PR by a lot. Um, but at what point were you like, wow, this is going to be a
2: day. I think it was, it was probably about mile 20 when I got into maybe a little bit before, but I was always, you know, I, I was kind of cautious to feel like that because even at kind of mile 16, 17, It was just, it was going past so quickly and it felt so easy. And I was like, I think I've got this, but it's dangerous to think that at mile 16, 17, because 10 miles is still a long way to go. And I had such strict instructions from that He was like, do not go before mile 20. You can blow up badly if you go before. And it was hard when I saw um, Sarah and Tristan go off in front. And I was like, I nearly, I so nearly went with them. And I was just like, no, Alistair will literally kill me. Don't do it. <laughs> I think
1: At that point, because I, I had literally just said to the group, because I know that stretch of the marathon in Chicago, it's usually super friendly. It's super nice. The surface is awesome. You're coming back into the city. So it's like this tiny bit of downhill you don't see. And I had just said, like, these miles are easy. Let's let them be easy. And like, mm. 10 seconds later, Sarah and Tristan go off the front of us and they run like 524 while we run like a 529. And then I even said to Rose, I'm like, just let them go because the same thought. I was like, we're at mile 16. We're not at mile 21. Like, it's a big difference. Like, so it's easy to feel good at that point and go and you can pay the price. And luckily, at least, you know, Tristan still ran a PR and Sarah still ran great. But like, part of me was like, oh, I really hope that they're not overdoing it. Overdoing it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's so hard to be patient in that moment because you're like, yes, it's still 10 miles, but I have already ran 16 and I do feel good. Like how did you trust yourself to be patient? Because I think, you know, not only novice runners would think this, like I could buy some time here.
1: Mm,
2: And honestly, I I think this is kind of almost where my inexperience is good because I don't think I know better. Like, and I'm not saying that, you know, Sarah and Tristan do, but I know I don't know what I'm doing. So basically my only option is to listen to my instructions and do as I'm told. And yeah, as I said, Alistair told me so many times, that you've got to be patient. And he was like, you will feel like you're going to feel good and you're going to want to go off, but don't do it. Like, do not go off before mile 20. And so I, yeah, to be honest, I didn't even question it, even though I did feel like... At that time, I was, you know, I was really had that itch to go after them. And I was like, I uh, Sarah and I had kind of talked before. We knew we were going for the same time. And so, of course, that thought creeps into your head. It's like, Sarah's doing that. I should do it too. But I think the other thing was I just knew that, you know, if I could stick with Ben, who is so on pace, doing an incredible job. And actually, if I could save energy by just sticking at that pace and there was the other big thing was there was no big group for them to go to mm. so they did I I watched them go and they kind of ended up a bit in no man's land mm. and they weren't really they were running together for a bit and then Tristan dra- dropped off a little bit so they were kind of running a bit of a solo race at that time and I was like I don't I don't think that's a good idea for me you know I'm in such a good place here um we were on 224 pace which was you know my my best case day at the time that was my like top end goal so I think all of those things I was just like I need to stay patient do as I'm told and I've still got you know you still got like if you get to mile 20 you've still got six miles where you can really pick it up and I just had to I guess trust I could do that and I think having you know being being at the faster end of my goal really helped as well because I was like I know you know, if I can just stick at this, I'll have a good day.
0: Yeah, I feel like, you know, in uh, marathoning, and I don't know if pros feel this way as well, but I think a lot of us are scared, like, when am I? if I'm going to blow up, when's it going to happen? Or when is this going to get so hard that it is going to take every mental piece of energy to will myself to keep going forward faster and faster? And so when in the race were you like, Maybe that's not going to happen. I mean, was it until you got to the hill? I think it about. I'll it, it say was this. About... I know
1: it, it was like mile twenty-three. <laughs> okay. Because we passed Dakota, and we were we had already been running faster than we've been running, and and then Rose is like coming up next to me, and part of me is like similar to what Alistair was telling her, like. She was at twenty three being aggressive' like well we still have three plus miles left so that's to me when I was like oh it's like game time like yeah. at this point she if she's coming up next to me now it's one thing if someone comes up to you three miles into the race but when you when she comes up to me three miles to go, I'm thinking like she is just fully ready to ro- ready to rock and so at that point I'm like, I don't think there's a pace that's too fast that I could run unless I feel her falling off so it was kind of like That was like the second twist of the gears from like 20 to 23, we picked it up some. And then at 23, we started picking it up even more. And I don't know if, I don't know if she was looking for the time or she just saw like there was a lot of people up ahead of the road that we were starting to catch. Um, So that, that was my take. I don't know if Rose thinks differently.
2: Yeah, no, I think, I think it was exactly that. And just... Seeing people kind of coming back to you gives gives you a big boost. Not just the women, but the men as well. passed by a few and just being able to pass each person kind of makes you feel a little bit stronger and able to push on.
0: So ninth place, which is, which is so wild. You know, I talked to Sarah about this because last year she placed seventh and ran 226. I mean, that's just like a testament to how crazy fast the field was. Also, it was a cooler day this year than last year. Um, how does this make you feel? Does this put you fifth all-time Brit in uh, marathon time, right?
2: Yeah, it's it is insane. I mean, I think like top 10 in a major, I was so happy with that. It was such a deep field. And yeah, I'm sure, you know, you can always say if the field isn't as good, you can come higher up, but then you get to compete in this amazing field. So I think that in itself is... You know, I would always rather like compete in a really good field and come a little further down. Um, but yeah, I was I was super happy with ninth. To be honest, it was more than I went into it. I think I was like fifteenth or something. So um, yeah, it was it was a great result for me.
0: Um, and we all know that the Olympic selection is way different in the UK than it is here. And you're still so new to the the marathon. Like, what does that look like? What does that process feel like for you now that you've run this time? And your name is in the hat, or is that how you say it? Your name's in the hat. Your hat's in
2: the ring. Yeah. Either <laughs> <laughs> <Hi> <laughs> I was good. Um, yeah, the system is is different, and that we don't have a trial, so um, it essentially goes on time. Any time within the window. Um, counts and at the end of the window which I think is like March time um, it's top three unless I mean unless you get a the unlikely situation that someone has pretty much the same time um, so I mean it's obviously I'm I'm 223 puts me in a, in a good place it's well ahead of the standard but a lot of people are going for marathon marathon it's it's such a it's a really exciting time for british marathon runners the times are just getting so quick um and i feel like over the last like year there's been a kind of real uptake in, um in the times and they have just got a lot quicker so anything can happen it's definitely not a slam dunk but i'm super happy that you know i should have a, at least a seat on the table um I might have to do another marathon in spring if I need to run quicker but I've still got time to do that so and it was always you know it was always an option that I thought might might have to happen um but I think we'll just kind of see where I rest at at the end of the year and go from there but yeah I mean obviously I'm very really happy to get well under the standard and just now it's a case of just hoping no one else runs quicker.
0: <laughs> I know. I have to wonder, like, are are the, the women who've been in this for years, like, where'd she come from? What? Here's another one that we have to be concerned about making the team when they're trying to make the team as well. Because you, I mean, really, I'd say you came
2: out of the blue, right? Yeah, I definitely, well, I mean, the last Olympics, I didn't even, couldn't even get into the trials. So <laughs> it has been a, a bit of a whirlwind journey, but... You know, I think that there are other people who could do it too. It's, it's, yeah, it's not, I mean, if I can do it, others can, I guess.
0: It's so, so exciting. Um, Okay, Ben, what's next for you?
1: Uh, I don't have anything on the plans. I mean, we're just trying to take care of baby, and uh, Steph's trying to get her body back in check. Um, Got a baseball tournament coming up this weekend for Riley. Got a soccer tournament coming up for Hudson. The week after that, so yeah, youth sports. I think Sophia's already been to seven baseball games and three <laughs> soccer games since she's been born. um So, yeah, I kind of—I don't really plan my racing schedule out very far because I'm generally just trying to train with uh, the women that need help here, and then if something comes up, something comes up. So I don't know if Steph gets back going and wants to go somewhere if there's a race we'll do it but um it's mostly just taking care of team bruce right now Mm,
0: team bruce are you still coaching or because you were coaching one of the boys baseball teams weren't you
1: yeah well that was like in little league in the in the in the spring and then right now he's on like a travel ball team that they they just do like a tournament down in phoenix usually like once a month um so i was i would say not coaching but actually (laughs) the weekend before chicago um riley the older team needed a extra player for a tournament and so they called him up to play with them okay. and the, one of the coaches was also gone too so i was out there of course coaching because i can't get away with it so yeah the week before chicago i was like at four baseball games in like the 100 degree weather in phoenix uh that was my pre pre-weekend training was coaching baseball so That's- i'm always coaching something
0: <laughs> so fun. I um I coached my little two. I'm I'm lucky because their birthdays are close enough or they're close enough in age that they could be on the same team. And uh-huh. if you can if you can like kill two birds with one stone there and and have them both on the same team, it's amazing. But I coached their soccer as like 5 and 6 year olds. Um, and then my older son is 11 now. And my father-in-law said something to my husband about coaching his team. And we're like, oh no, no, <laughs> that's way beyond our knowledge at this point. Like the five and six year olds, we can do 11. Yeah. They're too good. They can outplay you.
1: Yeah. We've done, we've been able to keep them on the same team for all oh, you the way guys to really last close year. Age. But this was, yeah, this was the one year. This is us. Oh, so this is cute. But, but yeah, this last baseball season, because Hudson was not league age, he could not play in the league Riley was in. So it was the first time we had to do two teams, and then it's probably going to be similar next year. So we've started to branch out, but we kept him on the, as long as we could.
0: So. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's huge. It's a game changer yeah. for sure. Yeah, your boys are so close in age. We're, mine are 21 months apart, so it was close. Like, I didn't think that they'd be able to be on the same team, but I think it's just when they're that young – they spread yeah. that age out a little well, bit Well, we've had
1: Hudson, like, for soccer, like, play up a year so you can play on Riley's team. We've done yeah. that. So. Yeah. Which is good that he's – which is also funny because he's already already small and then he's uh-huh. out there playing a year up and he looks tiny, but he plays really aggressive. And so the kids are like, okay, this guy's going <laughs> to take it to us.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Um, all right. Well, Rose, I always end the podcast with this question, and Ben's answered it before, but maybe he can answer it again because it's been a while since we did the one-on-one podcast, which – by the way, Ben, when I did my one-on-one podcast with you, you know who the most super fan of the show was, right?
1: No, my mom. Your mom? Oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's a sneaky one on social media because, like, some of her accounts they look like fake accounts because she never put a profile <laughs> picture. Had, like an egg. So I try to like when I'm home, I'm like, Mom, you got to put some profile picture up. Like people are gonna think you're just like trolling people. She's like, What's trolling? So. But yeah, she's a super fan. She's a secret fan for sure.
0: Well, anytime I interview someone though, and I see an f- account like that, and it's got the same last name, I'm like, that's a mom or an yeah. aunt. Or yep. like. <laughs> um, okay, Rose, what's something professionally or personally you'd like to do that you haven't done yet?
2: Oh, oh my gosh. The list is so long. Um, a really big one on my bucket list is like some of the crazy ultras. And this is probably one for like the post-marathon career, realistically. But like comrades, OCC, I love the mountains. I mean, I'm terrible at trail running. I cannot run downhill for anything, but it would just be incredible to do those. So that's definitely been on my bucket list a while. Like even before I started running properly.
0: I mean, comrades. I feel like a fast marathoner. Like you're just like the right recipe for
2: that race, right? Mm, given how hard I found that little hill at 400 meters, <laughs> I think I might need to work on my hill tactics. We,
1: if you're going to pick between comrades or OCC, you got to go comrades because that OCC race out in Chimenae is crazy technical and super steep downhill, so might not be up yeah. your alley.
2: <laughs> I think I'll be going for massive. completing rather than competing.
1: <laughs> I mean, comrades is it's just a hilly long race. Like, I would. I mean I've run Big Sur marathon a couple times and I would assume it would be like running a race like that but just about twice the distance. Twice the distance. Yeah. So. Oh
0: right cuz they ch- it's one year it's one way, one year it's the other way, right?
1: Yeah, but yeah. either way it's you're going to get ups and downs, but mm. I would have to check the profiles but I I think Big Sur is elevation-wise at least in the ballpark of Comrades you're just doing twice the distance.
0: So mm. Um, has your answer changed? I don't remember what your answer was three years
1: ago. When we I don't either. I, I feel ago. like it might've been something similar than that. And I haven't done on those. Um, <laughs> because yeah, comrades, cause I'm similar. Like I like running trails, but to be honest on like super technical downhills, it's tough. And I've done some trail racing in my days, but I looking at those races compared to what I know is out there, they're definitely, um, not as hard, but, um, I mean, professionally or personally, like at this point, a lot of that also changes away from running and just like goes into like my kids. So I I feel like there's a lot of things I could see. Like part of me, I guess, would be like personally is like getting out of the running world sometimes um, and doing something like that. So maybe that's like I've always loved a lot of different sports, but only I've known running the best. But um, maybe that's like when my kids get older being like, their high school coach in a different mm. sport, but well, that'll be a remain to see.
0: Pick up, pick up pickleball or some other random. Well, time. I have played
1: pickleball once or twice, but okay. it's, it's fun, fun, isn't it? It's fun. I was like always against it, but we were back in Florida at a, a last year at a friend's, and and I had Riley with me, and we were playing it. I'm like, yeah, it's a fun game, but it's I'll so probably win on that one. I don't. The it time is, is not there.
0: I know. Well, and though what is really fun is when your kids get big enough that like they can competitively play it with you you know oh, like yeah. my son like he can legitimately beat me and i'm but we're like evenly matched still so it's like super fun
1: yeah my kids aren't there with me yet but maybe that's because i am get good. there <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah i'm saying that you can ask Steph. that's competitive and that was part of our our fights when we were first dating is because she was very competitive and she didn't like that i could beat her at random games <laughs> like that so, i love it uh yeah
0: all right. Well, Rose and Ben, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. This was so fun to hear, you know, the race experience and just see this
2: banter. It was awesome. Thanks so much for having us. It's been, yeah, it's been awesome being
1: on. Yeah, I guess I'll just have to keep pace in Chicago. That's the only way I get on here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, if you want to do a spring marathon, <laughs> I'm in yeah. the market for paces. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, whatever one you do, just put my name in the hat. I'm not, you know, even if it's in Europe, maybe we'll get the kids passports yeah. renewed and head on out there. Oh,
0: that would be awesome. Thanks so much for being here, friends. Thank you, Rose and Ben, for coming on the podcast. Always, always a joy to talk to both of you. Rose Harvey on Instagram, roseharvey.run. Definitely go follow her, support her. Um, Ben Bruce on Instagram, bbjammin15, bbjamin 15 and, of course, you can follow me. I'm Lindsay Hines 626 I'd love to connect with you over there. Uh, you can also find me on threads, all that good stuff. Um, and learn more about this podcast and all the shows in our network at sandyboyproductions.com. All right, friends. We'll see you next week.